The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Well, it's good to be here today, and uh, we kind of wish I was in Guatemala, but that's okay. It's good to be here with our church family, and uh, I've enjoyed the last two weeks. It's funny how we didn't have like a powwow, and how I think all these messages will interconnect. And, uh, you know, it's interesting the Word says to give us ears to hear, because it really doesn't matter what we say up here. It matters that you have ears to hear what the Spirit says to you. That's what's so wonderful about, uh, takes the pressure off anyone up here, knowing that the Holy Spirit really is the speaker, amen? If we have ears to hear. So as, I'm just gonna pray and ask the Lord to give us all ears to hear. Even as I share something that's been on my heart for months, that I'd hear it fresh, I would hear it new. And I hear maybe the one thing that God wants to speak to my heart today and my mind. So let's just pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together and worship you and express our love for you, express our desire for you. Lord, may you become our full and complete delight. May we come to a place where our one desire of all the desires that we we have throughout our life that would come down to that place where our one desire is to delight in you to know you and then Lord from that we'd become an expression of you to the world around us Lord so give us ears to hear We trust your presence, we trust your spirit, we trust your word, Uh, even as it comes from a fallible man, Lord, it has great grace and truth through your spirit, and so we pray for that today to be the case. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I just want you to know I am the youngest of the ancients, just so you know that. But I'm the only one that needs a stool, possibly. So, oh. you know, I've been, I've been seeking to be a follower of Christ my entire life. I can't remember ever not doing that. And it's been quite a journey. And uh, sometimes I, I kind of want to bang my head against the wall and think, man, all this time and you're still figuring it out. I mean, you're still have so much to learn, yet there's so much about knowing God that I still, you know, don't know. But part of that is because in, in that journey, we have so many other desires, good and bad, that interfere with that one desire, to delight in Him. You know, and as I've been, I've been really studying Psalms 37 for, for months now, just over and over, knowing that David, who was very weak, David was very human, David was, his journey was a lot like most of ours, maybe even more dramatic 
But even he was trying to get to that place where his one desire was to delight in the Lord, knowing that in that place there's life. In that one place, everything that we've been trying to figure out our whole life makes sense. And apparently, it happens in stages. That's certainly been my case. That on that journey, I've had, again, so many desires other than just that one simple desire. So my desire still, my hope, I guess, is to get to that place. But all these other desires, when they get in the way, when I take ownership of my desires, I give in to, and, and Pastor Jim kind of touched this in different ways last week, giving in to fleshly thinking, planning, performing, desires and battling plausible arguments that come from the enemy that get, get us unfocused on the one thing. These desires, I'm going to read this from my notes here. These desires can really take center stage of our lives, and they can mess everything up. Even good desires. <laughs> Even good desires sometimes. They lead us often to discouragement, to frustration, to unforgiveness, to apathy, so often keeping us from discovering the fullness of a life-giving experience in Christ. I thought of Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. But a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. I always think of the first part of that verse a lot, but the second one has really grabbed my attention more than ever. What desire? What desire becomes like the tree of life? There's always been these two trees in our lives. There's always two kingdoms. There's two things happening at the same time in the kingdom of God and in the life of God. And that is to, <coughs> excuse me, pursue the desires of this kingdom, to be focused on the things of this kingdom, even religiously at times. Because our faith and our religion can sometimes intermingle and, and we're even desiring the wrong things in our walk, in what we call spiritual life, or in our faith walk. And we can easily get off track seeking things, taking ownership of things that are good, but not really the best that God has for us. My prayer the last six months has been this. My greatest desire in this old ancient soul of mine <laughs> is to eat from that tree of life. And I think there was a time I thought that could only be done in eternity or in after this life. But I'm truly beginning to see that it can be done in this life on earth. That we can eat from the tree of life. And my greatest desire is that I want, I want my 
my desire to become one desire, one thing over all other things, and that is to delight in the Lord. Last several months, I've been kind of consumed in Psalms 37 over and over and over and over and over. It's a great psalm. I think somehow, as I keep reading, I think David was experienced or had experienced what I'm hoping to experience is, is finding the reality that if I delight in him, I will receive, I will experience the desires of my heart. And those desires in that kind of relationship get shaped and changed and they become kind of his. Verse 4. I want to just read verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that's a verse that's pretty, pretty well known, pretty common. We know that one. Uh, we don't have time today to go through the whole, you know, chapter. There's just so many things. But after hearing the last two weeks and, and, and the last several months, what God's been speaking to me, I want to focus on the desire part today. Sean preached uh, some messages back earlier this year about the crowd. Remember the crowd? And how the crowd would follow Jesus, but they always had an expectation. They all, they all had a certain desire, and desires lead to expectations. And expectations that are unmet can become very discouraging, very um, hard, very difficult and expectations that do sometimes become fruitful can also be fruitless. But the crowd has expectations. The world in this kingdom that's focused so much on the things of the flesh, the things of this earth, the things that are centered around me, they become easily our downfall. We start pursuing the things that are not what God has for us. And we do have to be so careful of this. Expectations, are, I would say this, expectations are the ownership, taking ownership of my desires. Taking ownership of my desires. Getting focused, you know, not on what, on who God is and where he is and my, me delighting in him that regardless of what my desires are in this, this world, regardless of my situation in this world, regardless of the evil of this world, I know him. The simplicity of his love for me, the simplicity of his truth for me, the reality that, listen, and don't forget this part because it's really important, that he wants to give me the desires of my heart. Sometimes we think God's 
trying to take things away from us, <laughs> or he's really just wants us to, to die to our, all of our desires. That's not what he's asking. He's just asking us, don't take ownership. Be like Mary, who brought her, her expensive perfume and poured it out on Jesus' feet. Giving up ownership of this, this what in the, in the earthly world was so expensive, so radically crazy to do. I believe that her, her one desire was to, to delight in Jesus that day. All the, everything else didn't matter. And she poured out what one song that I've, I've heard says, she poured out her heart's perfume on Jesus' feet because she delighted in him. She wanted nothing else, nothing more. Whatever desires, expectations, whatever was going on in that situation, she was like so focused on, I just want to be at his feet. I want to give him my time, which is probably our most expensive anointment that we have. I just want to give him myself, knowing that Everything that I need, everything that I probably really want and don't even know I should want, He wants to give me. He has for me. The one desire is to delight in Him, to know Him. Expectations. I want to read a, a little definition of some modern definitions in, in our English language. Expectation is defined as Believing that something is going to happen or that something should happen in a certain way. Usually as some sort of success or gain for oneself. Looking forward to something that's due me or necessary to me. It's a calculated, a calculated desire that is focused becomes this expectation. Another word for expectation is hope. <laughs> we, so we have a desire. It might, like, I remember years ago, I had a desire to be uh, a pastor, like a, a lead pastor. And I had such a strong desire for that. And when it began to not unfold the way I thought, I began to be, get really frustrated. I began to get really discouraged. And I came that close, because I actually did make a decision, to just quitting. Just quitting and going back into the world and doing good things. I wasn't going to quit God or quit church. I just was, I was done with this, this uh, full-time ministry thing. Because it... It hadn't met the expectations of my soul. I'd somewhere along the line taken ownership of something that was so strong in me that somewhere along the line, I took ownership of it. And when it didn't start being fulfilled the way I had thought and dreamt and, and it didn't look like it was going to be fulfilled, I was ready to quit. Fortunately, Pastor Rodney was having a prayer retreat at that time in my life. He invited me to. 
And uh, I thought, you know, maybe I should pray about this decision. You know, that's something maybe a pastor should do. Let's pray. And I went, and, and God, at that, at that two or three days, reminded me, took me back to the beginning and realized that this, this desire, I had to let go of ownership of it. I didn't use those terms back then. That's really what was happening. It was like, Lord, I'm going to lay, I have to lay, I don't have to. I want to, I need to lay this at your feet and say, Lord, here it is. And what he spoke to me was, look, you know, is this the desire truly of your heart? If it is, you can't quit. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, your discouragement, regardless that it hasn't played out the way that in your mind you thought it should play out. Now, I hope that all of you can relate to something in your life like that. That, that you, you had a desire, a thought, hopefully a really good desire and thought, and said, here's, here's the plan, you know, and I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do all the things I can do to make this happen. But what happens if we're not careful is, then when God doesn't come through <laughs> on our timetable or in, our, in the way that we imagined this thing, then we become doubtful of God, we become unfaithful, we become apathetic, or we become rebellious, or we become so discouraged that we can lose not only the desire, but we lose our delight. And it's kind of the way of man. It's kind of the way that we only really kind of have two choices. We only have two ways to go. We can take ownership of those things. And some of them will play out. Some of them you'll, you'll get the way you planned. I've had things go the way I planned. It doesn't usually happen that way. I mean, I'm doing today what I never planned to do. Never, my dreams weren't big enough. Pastor Phil, a couple of weeks ago, preached the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. My picture of Naomi will always be scarred now. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's really a story of this kind of thing. But Ruth, who followed after Naomi, who, who was kind of a picture of what we're talking about, her delight was in Naomi. Her faithfulness to her wasn't going to change, even though she in her own heart certainly had desires to be married, certainly had desires of her own. And even Naomi had those desires for her. They're good things. Go, you know, don't follow me. Go after your desires. You know, I'm only a hindrance. And she was like, no, I'm going to delight in you. I'm, I'm using my words in this story, but I'm going to follow after you. And whatever happens, happens. And we know the, the story that, uh, that God brings Boaz into her life, the kinsman redeemer, he's called. 
It's like Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. And she gets, she gets it all in a way that she could never have dreamt. She could have never manipulated. She could have never figured out on her own. I feel like that's what we're talking about. Turn to, to Exodus 17 for the three of you that brought your Bibles. And the rest of you can turn and look it up in your phone. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it doesn't fulfill the desire I have for you, but it's okay. The people of Israel, the poor people of Israel, man, you know, they just, they are our example. And unfortunately for them, it gives them a really bad name. <laughs> because just like us, they did all the things wrong that we do wrong. But our story isn't printed for the world to see for 2,000 years. <laughs> I believe that, that people who know God in any way have good desires. I believe they want to do good. I believe they want to please Him. I believe they want to fulfill whatever it is that, that God has for them. But there's this, this other thing that always gets in the way, that got in the way for Israel, got in the way for almost every person and every story in the Bible. And that was our desires get taken over by ourselves. And then we ask God to fulfill them the way we want him to do it, when he wants us to do it, and how he wants us to do it. So here they've been, ex they've, they've made an exodus from Egypt, and uh, they've just come across the Red Sea, and immediately there's problems. Immediately, they have expectations, they have needs, they have desires. Some of them are just natural, food and water. You know, I get that, right? Kona ice, you know, you're going to start thinking about that here any second, you know. Those things that fulfill our flesh, that God actually created us to have, but we let those things take ownership of our life, and we don't really get what we want. And here in chapter 16, I'm going to go through this real quick because this isn't the whole point of the message, but it is a good illustration. Clear back in 15, actually. Remember, they came out and they drank, they found some water and they drank of it and it was bitter. It tasted terrible. And so God tells Moses, hey, whack down this tree. I don't know what kind of tree it was, but it had some kind of some kind of medicinal, aromic, some kind of ability to sweeten the water. So they put the tree in the water, the water becomes sweet, and everybody's happy. Right? Why? Because their expectations became fulfilled. Their desires were met. And so they're happy. They're happy with Moses, they're happy with God, and they're probably happy with themselves. And then the next thing is food. So God 
They start grumbling against Moses. We, you know, we need food. So God gives them the manna, the bread, and gives them simple instructions. Look, every morning you'll go out and gather the bread. You can gather all you want, but you can't save it overnight because it'll be rotten by the morning. And of course, people tested God and ended up having rotten bread in the morning and they had to figure it out. This is the way God had it for them. This would fulfill what they needed, but sometimes their desires weren't really in line with God's desires for them was. But on the sixth day, it says, because he was such, God is so, so desirous for us to Sabbath with him. I won't get off track, but I'd love to. That he says, on that day, when you collect the bread, it won't rotten. It won't go rotten on the next day. It'll last for two days. I mean, there's a great picture there of how when God has ownership of our desires and our expectations, that he does supernatural things out of the ordinary, out of the natural, to take care of us. And I have so many stories in my own life of how he's done that. And it always works better when I give up ownership of those things. When I take ownership of them, somehow it always gets messed up, and I get upset, and I get offended, or I get, the list goes on and on, discouraged. But here they are. Chapter 16, chapter 17 are just stories of this one after another. We need this. We expect, we want this. We desire this. And we expect it, Moses. You need to get with God and get this thing handled. And Moses did it, and God did it, and yet they were never satisfied. They always wanted more. Then they got the quail. And then, I don't know exactly, I don't remember how long later, uh, they need water again, chapter 17. And the same exact story takes place. It's as if you don't even need to, you can just copy and paste it from chapter 15 to chapter 17. And they grumble and they complain to Moses, you know, this isn't what we expected. This isn't, I mean, we should have just stayed in, in Egypt. There's another message there. But we should have just stayed in Egypt and fulfilled our desires there. Even though we were oppressed and miserable, and we were grumbling and complaining there too. But you know, at least we owned it. We knew what was going to happen the next day. We didn't have to rely on you. We didn't have to rely on the supernatural. We didn't have to rely on anything but our oppressive leaders. And so they go there, they come to him again, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for more water. They, they desired, they needed, they wanted more water. And so they kept grumbling against Moses. And they said, why do you bring us out to Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock? With thirst. You see how things get twisted? When I take ownership of my desire, even like going back to my illustration, when I wanted to be 
you know, a, a senior pastor by this certain time in this certain way, and it didn't happen. All of a sudden, things get twisted. And I'll just go back, leave the ministry. Again, I'm not going to leave God. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm just going to I'm just going to go pursue something that maybe I can make happen and actually get paid really well. That was, that was part of it. But the Lord, fortunately, helped me see that that's not the way to get the desire of my heart. My desire was all twisted. There was, there was things that had gotten into it because of my taking ownership of it that made it really not healthy for me. I could have somehow made it happen, probably. But God had a better plan and a better way. And so this is where Moses strike. God tells him, strike the rock, and water comes forth, and they drink of the water, and again, everyone's happy. Everyone's expectations have been met. Their desires, their needs have been fulfilled. Everyone's happy. And Moses, it's funny that he named that place Massa and Meribah, which means quarreling. <laughs> Moses, well, I mean, I love Moses. You know, he was, he was getting a little frustrated. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter 20. We're going forward a whole generation. We're now coming to the end of the journey of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And there's all kinds of things in there that just more and more illustrations. Everywhere you turn, there's illustrations for this message. 40 years later, that generation that had done all those silly things, had all those expectations and all that grumbling and complaining and all that, well, we can copy and paste again. <laughs> They're getting close to entering back in now to Edom, and they're going to go into the Holy Land. Finally, after 40 years, they have, they have wandered all over the wilderness, and they're back to guess where? Meribah. They're back to that same spot where God gave them water before. And guess what? They grumble, and they complain. And now there was no water for the congregation. Verse 2, chapter 20. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses. Do I have to read it again? It's the same story. Why, you know, did you bring us out of Egypt so we could perish here and make our graves here? And they said, take the staff. You know, tell that rock, beat that rock, do whatever you have to do, get us water. And of course, God speaks to Moses and said, speak to the rock. And we know the story. God, Moses, I think out of complete frustration, which I get 100%, can you imagine what's going through his mind? Are you kidding? You saw what your parents did. You saw what that generation before you did. You saw their grumbling, complaining. You saw all of their selfish desire and selfish ambition. 
not trusting God, never fully wanting to follow him or give up themselves to him wholly, and now you do the same thing. And unfortunately, I'm still alive. (laughs) And he beats that rock. I mean, that's what I would have done. I would have, I mean, it's better than beating them, which is probably what he really wanted to do, you know? Or just jump off a high rock himself. I mean, he hits the rock, and of course, there's another story there, but even, even Moses still hadn't fully figured it out. That same nature, it's our default to take ownership of the desires of our heart and not lay them back at the feet of Jesus so you take them. My need for food, my need for water. Remember what he says in the gospel. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear tomorrow. The, the God of heaven who loves the, the birds and takes care of them, he'll take care of you. Delight in him. Be like Mary. Be like David. Delight in him. Get your focus on him, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When you need him, how you need him, probably in a better way than you would have ever dreamt if you had ownership of them. Back to Jesus. Sean shared this in one of his messages. I mean, and it just brought me back to that memory of when they had fed the 5,000 in John 5, 6, that whole area there. John, John uh, 6. It's a long chapter. It's got over 60 verses. And uh, remember, they fed the 5,000. I mean, he'd given them a, uh, what we believe to be the Sermon on the Mount before that. And the, they go in the boat and they get across the water. The next morning, all those people, I don't know about all of them, but a lot of those people had followed after him for what? What was their expectation? More bread. <laughs> I mean, Jesus makes good bread, apparently. And they wanted good bread. And so they followed after him with a desire, with an expectation, not an evil thing, not an ungodly thing, just a, a human natural desire. It says, man, I want more of that bread. There's a bakery we go to up in Indiana. That, man, see, I miss Robin up for the rest of the morning. We just, I mean, when you get within 60 miles of that place, you got to go there. And that's what these people, you know, they were like, we got to get more bread. And they come after him. And Jesus says, I have something better to offer you. I have, I have, I can meet a desire in you that this bread can never meet for you. Because tomorrow you want it again. The things of this earth never will fulfill not even your flesh very long. He said, but I got this bread, <laughs> and it's my body. And you got to eat of my flesh. Wow. Can you imagine getting grossed out by that message? 
Like, man, we just wanted bread. We don't even know what you're talking about, but it's gross. We don't want that. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. You should provide it. Sometimes our prayer life's like that with God. We come to Him with all of our desires, good and bad. He doesn't answer the way we want. And because we've taken ownership of that, we get angry at God, we get discouraged at God, we become doubtful of God, we lose faith in God, and the next thing you know, the enemy wins again in our life. And the thing that we wanted, we don't get. Or sometimes the worst thing is we do get it, and we think that was God. I better go to that scripture. And so he offers this this bread, the same bread I I, I hope that I'm talking about today, this bread that is, is from him that gives us more than just simple fulfillment of simple desires that we have that are so strong As we lay those down, we can trust Him in the most simple desire, like food, water, and the most complex desires, like a purposeful, meaningful, God-reflecting life. He has that. And of course, we know here, uh, you know, He offers them this bread. And they say, This is a hard saying. The disciples say it's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, taking offense, he's saying, do you take offense at this? Like the crowd did? It's the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is of no help at all. The desires of our flesh are of no help to us. Taking ownership of the things that you long for, there's nothing good about that, healthy about that. At the same time, he's not asking to give up your desires. He's just asking you to give up ownership. Does that make sense? It takes a while for it to make sense. It's like, so you're saying, my desires are okay to have, but somehow I can't make them happen? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Do what he tells you to do. You know? Do what you you can to get and reach those desires in your heart, but never take ownership of them. If things don't turn out the way you want them to, don't quit. Just keep dying to that, knowing that God will fulfill the real desire that's deeper than the desire you may know you have. And of course, verse 66, and after this, many of, his, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? Because he didn't fulfill their expectations. He didn't give them this great tasting bread that would only fulfill them for a few hours. They refused to understand that he had a bread that would... And just like he says to the woman, I have water that will 
You don't have to drink from, you know, just drink from this. And you, don't, you won't thirst again. You won't need bread again. And yeah, I know you need bread for your physical body. And I'll, I'll take care of that. But I'm going to use my words today. But delight in me. That's what I want. Delight in me. As, you, as we grow in delighting in him, setting at his feet like Mary did, pouring out our desires at his feet, our ownership and saying, Lord, you know my desire. I desire still to be healed from cancer. But I, I don't have ownership of it. I don't want ownership of it. If he does or doesn't, it doesn't really matter because I know that he will give me what I need to have, when I need to have it, how I need to have it. There's no yoke there. There's no heaviness. There's no burden. I mean, if you have unforgiveness, which Pastor Jim talked about last week, unforgiveness is, is holding on to an expectation that will wear you down. Give him ownership of it. Say, Lord, here's my offense. You take it. You take it. I don't want to hold on to that stuff anymore because it's killing me. Lord, here's, here's my dreams. I set them at your feet. I still desire them. In fact, I think you put some of those desires in my heart, but I'm not going to take ownership of them anymore. I, I want to do, I'm going to do today what you've asked me to do, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You know, his disciples, um, well, let me just talk about Judas a little bit. Judas is a great illustration of what happens when we don't let go of them. They're self-destructive. They're death. We will implode. And we can live a long time dead. <laughs> Again, apathetic, doubtful, discouraged. Not doing what we need to do today because we're not going to get what we want, we think, tomorrow because we didn't get it yesterday. Whatever. The people around us, like, like the Israelites, they're just a mess. They're not helping either. Real quickly own desires, good or bad, become overwhelming obstacles. And they steal the desires, the true desires of our heart. They steal the desires of our heart that God has for us. And they knock us right off the road of discovering and living in the one great desire, and that's to delight in the Lord. There's three things that happen. I'm going to say these real quick because I just think they're so practical and they're so good. Three things happen when we take ownership of our desires and they're unmet. You know how the heart gets sick? Well, this is what happens. First of all, we exaggerate. We, we get overwhelmed and we lose faith in the Lord. We, you know, everything's exaggerated. My problem's exaggerated. My offense is graduated. My unforgiveness is exaggerated. You know, why, did, why don't we just go back to Egypt? You know, I mean, crazy talk, right? Crazy thinking. 
Let's go back and be oppressed. Let's go back and live in sin. Let's go back and do our own thing and take control of our own life. I mean, that's just nuts, and yet it happens. Memory loss. <laughs> we forget all that God has already done. That's why Deuteronomy is full of that phrase, remember, 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 remember. Moses, tell them to remember how I brought them out of Egypt. Tell them to remember how they're no longer slaves to Egypt, to sin. Tell them, tell them, remember, remember. Every time we take communion, it's about remembering what Jesus has done, the bread that he offers us and the blood that covers us. All of that. Third, it creates frustrated leaders. You know, like Moses. He'd had enough. We don't want frustrated leaders. The, the thing is, the only way to give up ownership of our desires is for us to give them up. God doesn't demand it of you. You can keep eating from the tree of good and evil all you want, but you've got to choose to eat from the tree of life. And there's steps that you have to take. They're simple in one way, and they're very difficult in, an actu- in another way. That's why it's a journey, learning how to come and sit at the feet of the Lord, learning how to give that desire. It, it, it takes effort. It takes time. It takes determination. It takes practice. What's, what's one area today in your life that you know, like, man, I, this is speaking to that one desire that I hasn't been met. This is speaking to that one thing that keeps controlling me, unforgiveness or being offended, or maybe you've had a dream that hasn't been fulfilled, and you thought it, would, it should have been fulfilled long ago, and you're angry at God, or you're doubtful about God, or you've lost faith at a certain level with God, or you think he doesn't love you for some reason, that somehow you're not significant to him, or you're not important. All lies. Lay the lies at his feet, too. See, Lord, your word says, if I delight in you, you'll give me the desires of my heart. But see, when we take ownership of it, we pull them right out of his hands. And when we do that, then he can't give us what he wants to give us. We can't let him give us those desires in a way that would bring life to us. We still want to control it. We still want to hold on to it. And when those things don't happen the way we happen, we become discouraged. We become apathetic. We become grumpy. We, you know, all kinds of things. God has something better for us. We don't have to grumble and complain. As my friend, I have a friend that says, just stay on the joy bus. <laughs> Trust in God. Even though everything around you, and, and Psalms 37 gets into this, the evil that's all around you. Evils can be defined in many ways in our life. 
The way of this world is evil. This whole idea of owning our own lives and being uh, seeking after self-love and, and self-gratification, all that is evil. It's just evil. He says, in the midst of all that evil, you can, you can l- trust me, delight in me, and I'll give you this. You don't have to complain anymore. You don't have to fear anymore. And the great thing is, I don't want you to lose this important part because I'm not saying this. I want you to know what I am saying. God knows the desires of your heart and He wants you to have them. He just doesn't want you to own them. He wants to give them to you as a gift in a way that will bring life. No one in here has big enough dreams. Your desires aren't big enough. But they're enough that God says, I want you to have that. But it's not the right time. It's the not way. In fact, I have bigger desires for you. I have bigger dreams. Just delight in me. That's another message. How we delight him. But just delight in him. Put your faith in him. Give your ownership to him. Lord, we just thank you that you for some reason just want to delight in us. You just want us to give you the desires of our heart that you might fulfill in us the dreams and the desires and the plan that you've always had in each one of us. For our own good, for the good of your kingdom, And it continues in that to draw us even closer to you. As David drew closer to you. That's our prayer today. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let us have ears to hear. And then let us have faith to respond to what you speak. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.